BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is Matt Sefcovic, as always, joined by Aaron Turner as we continue this off-season Diamond Dialogues series that we started not too long ago. And this, I hope this is something you all have enjoyed. We've had a little bit of the past, some present, and some future guys. We've had Zion Rose. Sebastian Gangora, Cade McClure, Jake Greger, and tonight we are having Christian Napchik join us on the podcast, which he needs no introduction. Christian, the shortstop from the past few years, he was a member of the 2021 ACC All-Freshman Team. He was a three-time All-ACC third-team member. He was a 2022 All-Region Team, and most recently he was selected in the 2023 MLB draft in the fifth round by the Cleveland Guardians. I don't know about you, Aaron, but Napchik, he's one of my favorite all-time guys to ever put on a Louisville jersey. He just played the game with so much passion, a lot of swagger. Um, So I'm looking forward to catching up with him and kind of seeing what he's been doing since his time ended here in Louisville. A lot going on right now with Louisville Athletics. Jeff Brom, you know, had a 10-win season. He's killing it. The transfer portal. Volleyball team added another Elite Eight run. Jeff Walls has the women's basketball team rolling with a lot of new faces this year. And with all those things coming to an end, it's kind of a time that we transition from the fall sports over to the spring sports, which means that it's almost baseball season. But before we jump into all that, We've got to give my man Aaron some kudos. He just finished his last class and final semester of college. So, Aaron, before we jump into everything, how does it feel to have your last class behind you? Uh, feels good to be done with school. Don't know what the heck I'm going to do with the rest of my life for now. But, hey, <laughs> that's a problem for a few weeks <laughs> till after uh, after the holidays are over. Then, then we'll really kick it into gear and get serious after that, I guess. So you've got some time to kick back and relax a little bit before the parents say, hey, now it's time to go and do your own thing, get out of the house. So I think you've got a little bit of time before that all sets in. For sure, yeah. (laughs) So I I know it's kind of a weird time, but there's honestly, there's been a lot going on on the baseball front. I know it's been quiet because of everything with basketball program and football program and 
volleyball, like I said, there's been a lot going on. So kind of baseball has been overshadowed because they're not actually playing right now. But the schedule was released not too terribly long ago, which will kind of break down. But the ACC this year is going to be loaded. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, but before we get into that, let's look at the non-conference schedule. We start this year uh, February 16th, 17th, and 18th down in Tampa in a three-game round robin with Indiana State on Friday. And that's going to be no pushover. They were 45 and 17 last season. They actually hosted a regional, won the regional, uh, all three games. Um, didn't didn't lose a game up there in Terre Haute. They were swept by TCU in the Super Regionals, which if you remember, there was a lot of drama with that, right? Terre Haute was the national seed they were supposed to host, but they actually had a scheduling conflict up there. I think it was with the Special Olympics, actually. And they didn't have hotels within the 30-mile guideline that the NCAA provides for the other team for TCU. So they had to forfeit the Super Regionals in Terre Haute and they had to play at TCU. So they went down to TCU, got beat both games in Supers, but had a hell of a season. Uh, Saturday, they'll take on South Florida, who struggled last year. They were 21 and 39 in 2023. So I, I don't know what UCF has come back this year, but they, they, didn't have much last year. So I, I think Louisville will probably take care of business against the Bulls. But then on Sunday, they bounced back with another tough game against Connecticut. They finished 44 and 17 last year. I uh, went down to the Gainesville Regional and went one and two. So they didn't advance, but made the NCAA tournament. And, you know, this is a, a team that Louisville's very familiar with. They played against them in all the 10 different conferences we've been in over the last decade. They're a familiar foe. We've uh, beat them 19 times. Um, they, they beat us 13. So a lot of a lot of history between the two teams. But we've lost three of the last four against the Huskies. So hopefully we can get back on track in February. So I know it's a lot, but that's opening weekend. What, what, do, you, what do you think about the three teams we're going to see in, the, uh, in February down in Florida? Oh, I mean, first of all, I was fortunate enough to go to opening day last year in Louisville, and as much fun as I had, I froze my butt off sitting there. And Jim Patterson, and, and as we uh, took that took that first game over Bucknell, so love the love the venue already. If it, we can make it to Tampa, that would be amazing. Tampa playing in Tampa in February is a lot better than playing in Louisville in February. So love that start. Um, you know, like like you said though. Uh, Indiana State and and UConn are very tough opponents. We're very familiar with UConn, especially Indiana State. Really came on last year and you know kind of shocked the nation. But that is a, just a very good scrappy team. It looks like the the returning number of of those guys too. And so I'm looking forward to a good early test because our. I, Truthfully, our non-conference schedule is not what we're used to the last few years. There's no big names that really jump out to you and say, wow, you know, there's no Michigans. There's no TCUs. You know, the the big games that we've played early in the season are, are kind of absent this year. And so to be able to have a couple early opponents that first weekend against UConn and, and Indiana State is, is definitely a good way to kickstart the season and, and see what re- we really have in these guys. Yeah, I'm excited. And like you said, kind of piggyback that you talked about playing in the warm weather. That's obviously something that Coach McDonald, we've done, you know, over the years now. So no surprise there. 
And I, like you said, I don't think there's big names. If you look at Connecticut and Indiana State, I don't think you know, those are going to pop off the paper. It's not Mississippi State. It's not Ole Miss. It's not Texas. But, you know, these are quality teams. And to have to get battle tested early in the season, opening weekend, I think it's going to be good for this team to kind of see where we stand, see where we need to grow, and, you know, see some of these new faces and how they're going to respond to quality opponents. So I think most importantly, I'm excited about that. We'll go ahead and continue with the non-conference schedule. We've got our annual home-and-home home series with Kentucky, which that's, when you look at how we've dominated that series, it's kind of like Jeff Walls and what Coach Cal have done on the basketball court. We're 14-3 and three in the last 17 games against Kentucky. So, as always, I don't see that being an issue. But I thought this was fascinating. We're 26-26 and 26 against them all time. So, as dominant as we've been in the last little bit, especially since Coach Max has been here, um, all time we're still 500 with them. So, hopefully this year we can, we can get over the hump. We obviously have the battle for the barrel with Vandy. It's in Nashville this year. That's been a really good series, very competitive, two good teams going after it. And we are five and five against them in the last 10. So hopefully we can break that as well. Other normal opponents that we'll see on the schedule this year, Indiana, we got them at home this year, Cincinnati, Xavier, and then our in-state opponents with Western, Eastern, Northern, Moorhead, Bellarmine, kind of the normal in-state teams that we play on a yearly basis. One that kind of stuck out to me was we've got a three-game series with Northwestern, which was kind of odd. We typically don't play Big Ten teams. And I, I got started jogging my mind. I was like, have we ever played Northwestern before? I don't remember. And we did back in 2006. So actually before Coach Matt got here, we played a weekend series with them and won two games and dropped one. So before we kind of jump into the – ACC schedule, what do you you touched on a little bit, but of the out of conference games, what do you see as the most intriguing, or what do you most what are you most interested in seeing from those games? I mean, obviously, the the easy answer here is going with um, Vandy and and Kentucky. Those are are the two that that jump out, and they always jump out. What in the non conference kind of pops out to you? What are you most excited about? Kind of what do you want to see from our non-conference schedule. Yeah, I I think the same answer every year is, is the Vandy and and Kentucky games are obviously the most exciting for me, the most exciting for most Louisville baseball fans too, and and you know, kind of feeding into later you know a little controversy here from around the college sports world. I really do think that the ACC holds a, a lot of weight in the college baseball world, unlike a lot of people who argue that uh, it doesn't in other sports. Um, so I, I, th- I do think that ACC is, is a very competitive and a very strong conference over SEC. And, you know, I don't, I don't think the ACC teams get the, get the love that they deserve. And so to be able to go out and, you know, play some SEC teams every once in a while and hopefully whoop up on them a couple times this year is, uh, something that I look forward to, but, you know, and I think we say the same thing every year, pivoting away from those two games excuse me, those three games. But you you look at the beginning of the season, you've got, what, 17 chances to, to play a baseball game before conference play starts. And that's those 17 games or whatever it may be is is a good chance to, you know, figure out who your identity is as a team, you know, who is going to emerge as a leader. You know, we've got 
five captains this year, and, and those are the obvious answers for for team leaders. But who else is going to step up? Who's going to make the big plays? Who's going to pick up the big hits? Who's going to be the the workhorse on the mound that we need this year? Because there are still a number of questions that that have to be answered. And and you know, while we talked about the absence of of some of the bigger names on the non conference schedule this year, there's still teams that, that are going to put up a good fight. And you know, we're not going to win all seventeen. That that's just the way that baseball goes. And this is not college football or college basketball where the heavily favored team is always most of the time going to win. You know, the base that's what makes baseball great is being able to play these games and anybody can beat anybody on any, any given day. And I think one thing that we haven't really talked about before, you know, up to this point is, you know, we also have a, a school like Lipscomb on the non conference schedule. And in the last few years, Lipscomb has really given us some fits. So, you know, are we able to come into games like that with, you know, that, that bulldog mentality and, and, you know, who, who's going to step up, you know, that that's the big question in the, those games leading up to conference play, who's going to step up and who can you rely on as, as we get into the, the gauntlet of the ACC. You know, you bring up a lot of good points there that what, what stands out to me is you talked about playing so many non-conference games, you know, before we get into ACC play and, you know, we're going to take some, punches and we're probably going to lose a couple games maybe some that we should and that's okay as long as it prepares us down the road that that doesn't matter and the reason we're going to and we have in the past is coach mac always plays with his lineup that's just what he does he tries to give guys opportunities to kind of earn their stripes before he you know turns the keys over to who the the your your typical starters are going to be for the year you know you we've got three outfield spots that's how many you get in baseball, but we've probably got a handful of guys that are fighting for those three spots. So he's going to play a different combination every game for the first couple months, probably just to see, you know, who plays well together. You know, you, we've got middle, new middle infield pieces. How are they going to play with each other? You know, does Keelan move over? I know we're getting way deep in the weeds, which we'll do this as we get to our, you know, season primer later on down the road. But, you know, where do these guys fit? And I, I think that's the biggest thing. But using these out-of-conference games before we get into the ACC play is really critical to just getting the pieces where they need to be. When we get to the ACC, where it does matter, this team is ready, and we've got a lineup established that's going to be who we're going to live with until the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, non-conference is always a fun time. You get to see a lot of teams we wouldn't normally see and I'm super excited for for that and see who who can step up. I know we got a lot of young guys who are looking to step up. I'm super excited about this freshman class and um, February 16th can't get here soon enough. So let's talk about ACC. We've talked about it a lot. I don't know who we pissed off this year, but the baseball gods are not on our favor with this schedule. So conference play this year, it's tough no matter who you draw. But at home, we've got Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, Virginia, Clemson, and Notre Dame. So that's who we've got at home this year. On the road, we go down to Wake Forest, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and Boston College. That's just an absolute gauntlet of a road schedule in conference play. Wake Forest, they went to the College World Series last season. They've got five guys ranked in the top 35 in the draft prospects. They're going to be the heavy favorite to win the ACC this year. Probably going to be a top two, three, four team in the country when all the polls come out. 
I would say they may get even some love to be number one outside of LSU because of the champs from last year, and they've got a lot returning. But you've got Chase Burns, Josh Hartle, and Michael Massey as your assumed weekend rotation down there. They're all top two round guys this year or next year in the MLB draft. It's just an insane weekend rotation to try to get through. Then you look at Florida State. Going, I mean, you know, Florida State, they've, they've had some um, years like that. They didn't make the tournament last year. Now they've had some pretty bad years over the last little bit because they've had a tough time trying to coach, trying to coach after Mike Martin. But Louisville always struggles down there. We're two and seven all time down in Tallahassee. Aaron, you and I always talk about that. It's just, I, I don't know what it is, but we enter Tallahassee and just everything falls apart. So that's going to be a struggle. Hopefully this team can, you know, they're different. They can rebuild, but it's just, it's a tough place to play. I mean, they, they play college baseball in Tallahassee for a reason. So all that to be said, I mean, ACC's, it's loaded this year. And we've just got to find out where we're going to be. So what what are you, and I, I know you have a lot to say. We've talked about the schedule quite a bit. What are your thoughts on kind of where we, where we fit in the ACC this year and what our, what our, how our schedule plays out? You know, first, you know, here's a, a bold prediction for the – I don't even know if it's that bold. The, the 2024 season, the national championship – or, sorry, the national champion will be coming out of the ACC this year. Okay. And don't, don't be surprised if it's not Wake Forest either. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a number of teams in the ACC that are going to make a lot of noise. Say what you will about the SEC, the you know Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12 – the ACC is where the road to Omaha runs through this year. I think that there are a ton of loaded teams, great talent, you know, it, from top to bottom. This this is really anybody's league. You know, you Wake Forest is obviously the heavy favorite. We all know that, but it's baseball. We just talked about that. Any anything can happen in in the baseball world, and you know, Louisville definitely has has uh, their work cut out for them this year. It's going to be. That road schedule is crazy going on the road to, like you said, Tallahassee. And then, you know, you got Wake in there and, you know, you'll make a road trip to Coral Gables and go play Florida too. Or sorry, go to go play Miami as well. And just that, you know, kind of have to have that road warrior mentality. There's a a lot of veterans on this team that that have gone through this before, but there's also a lot of young guys that are, are vying for serious playing time. You know, we could have freshmen starting on Sunday or freshmen, you know, getting meaningful at bats early in the season. And that is a, that is a big adjustment for those guys to make. And and we just hope that they are able to make that adjustment, get that road warrior mentality. And I, I personally do think that, that we stack up against a lot of the talent in the, in the ACC and, and we're going to make some noise too. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And, you know, you talked about the the national champion coming from the ACC this year. When you look at the coaches that we have in this conference right now, I mean, there's some Hall of Fame dudes in this league right now. You've got Link Jarrett, who just went down to Florida State. He's turning things around. Brian O'Connor at Virginia, definitely a Hall of Famer. Scott Forbes at North Carolina. Tom Walter, obviously, is doing big things at Wake Forest. Elliot Avent at North Carolina State. And I know I'm forgetting a ton. But at the end of the day, we've got Dan McDonald. You know, which he's he's just as good or better than any of those coaches that I just listed. So, while this is a tough schedule, 
you know, I, I think this team is built to compete with the best teams in the conference. So uh, just, just really excited about who we're playing because with that schedule, that gives us a lot of quality baseball that we get to watch. And then at the end of the day, baseball fans like you and I, that's what we want, right? Like we want to win games. We want to, we want to put banners on the outfield wall, but also just want to watch good quality baseball and having 30 games on our schedule against teams that played in the NCAA tournament last season. That's quality baseball. Super excited for it. And, you know, like you said, we're, we're always looking for quality baseball and, and something that, you know, it's a good segue. We haven't really talked about on the podcast before, but it's going to be here before too long as conference realignment. And, you know, I think, think you and I are, are both well aware that conference realignment is mostly done through the lens of, of college football and to a lesser extent, college basketball. And then way down on that list that not many people are really care about is college baseball, but weirdos like you and I, we see it through the lens of college baseball. So for those who might be unaware, starting not for the 2024 baseball season, but in 2025, the ACC will be adding Stanford and Cal to the baseball uh, pool for the ACC. SMU is also joining. They do not have a baseball team though. So that won't be of concern for us, but Stanford and Cal are a couple of really quality additions for the ACC. Stanford especially being a very historic program has, has had a lot of success in recent years, put out a lot of first-round draft picks, a lot of major leaguers, just a fantastic program all around, a great ad for the ACC. And then you've got Cal, too, who hasn't had great success in the, over the last few years, but once again, a historic program. You know, they've been the college world series more times than we have as you know we've done it more recently but still that that cal team is a team that has shown that they can do it they've got the winning recipe over there too and you know there's a lot of things that to look forward to in the college baseball world we can take a whole deep dive into conference realignment you know texas oklahoma go to the sec arizona state arizona to the big 12 and you know but I'm I'm super excited about the ACC adding some very quality opponents with Stanford. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, first thing when when they start talking about Stanford and Cal and SMU, my mind lit up because of Stanford, just because the baseball. I don't, you know, obviously I care about basketball and football and volleyball and everything else, but my my mind went straight to baseball and I was like, oh Stanford, like they've got a hell of a program. You know, they've won national championships and. They the regulars in Omaha. I was like, that'd be a fun trip to take out there. Obviously, that's challenging to get out to. It's not somewhere you can just, you know, get in your car and drive a couple hours away like you can to, you know, some of the schools in the ACC. But nonetheless, just the, you know, we were talking, we've been talking about schedule. Like, you know, just seeing big names like that on your schedule, that's just, that's just creating that brand and continuing to, um, you know, expand our footprint in recruiting, you know, does that allow us to recruit in California while we're out there? You know, I think it just opens up quite a bit of opportunities for Coach McDonald and, and the staff going forward. I do want to tell a little story on myself. Aaron and I were talking about conference realignment. I was like, ooh, um, I wonder about SMU's baseball program. Never heard anything about them. And then after a quick Google search, I realized SMU doesn't have a baseball program. So I was excited about getting into Dallas and, you know, getting to play in Texas. Well, um, and as, as much as I love college baseball and follow it, um, 
I, I guess my knowledge of SMU's baseball was uh, minimal because it doesn't exist. So, so there's that for people that were wondering about SMU's baseball program. You know, and, and you know, we'll take a couple minutes here and, you know, this is, we often talk about other things outside of Louisville baseball, but co- college baseball as a whole, you know, like I said, you've got a couple powerhouses in Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. You've, they, Big 12 replaces them pretty much with Arizona State and Arizona, the two big names that are going to be joining the Big 12 baseball conference. Then, I, you know, interesting conference to follow here is going to be the Big 10. Big 10 historically has never been a good baseball conference, often too cold in most of these places to really get a, put a good baseball team out there. But in recent years, they're starting to creep up a little bit. You've got... You know, Iowa has a top ace in the nation right now on Brody Brecht, who's going to be a top 10 pick. You've got Nebraska, who has come on strong in, in recent years. Maryland has hosted regionals recently. You know, and then you add in, you know, they're getting Oregon, who we recently saw in our own regional back in 22. And then also they're getting Washington, who not too long ago was in the College World Series. So, you know, the influx of, of teams to the Big Ten starting to move in the direction of, hey, we've got some serious baseball competitors that we can put out there. It's just great for the sport overall. I, I think that, you know, a lot more colleges in the Big Ten are, are going to be pushed in the direction of putting a good baseball team out there. I'm, I'm very excited to see, you know, how the realignment affects the rest of the conferences. And you and I have talked about the Big Ten, honestly, for a while now. And I, I think we could probably go to some of the athletic directors up there and pitch that, hey, like we've got the presentation ready, that, hey, if you invest money in this baseball program, you, you could win the Big Ten almost year in and year out because no one else is doing it, right? It, it's just not happening across the entire conference. I think Iowa recently invested some money in their facilities and they're they're planning on doing some things up there. But you know, you don't see the Penn States and the Ohio States and the Michigan States doing, you know, Michigan had a good run, but they had a a really, really good coach, Eric Backage, who's now down at Clemson, and you've seen them fall off since then. So I think if you have a team, we've talked about this before on the podcast, if you've got a Big Ten team right now that will take the time and the effort and the resources to put into the baseball programs, I think the return would be pretty significant because you're just not seeing it in that conference. You're seeing it across the landscape of college baseball at all levels from JUCO all the way up to the top teams in the SEC and the the Big 12 and ACC, but you're just not seeing it in the Big 10 just because of the climate that they live in. But nonetheless, I think the realignment just allows for additional rivalries to be created, additional recruiting opportunities to be created. And I'm excited to see just some of those bigger names like Stanford, like you said, Cal, on our schedule going forward starting in 2025. Sure. Yeah. It'll it'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. You know, a little little over a year away for baseball, but never too early to start thinking about those flights out to California. So moving on here, just gonna briefly touch on the Louisville Baseball 2024 team captains just announced this past week. We've got Logan Beard, JT Benson, Isaac Humphrey, Evan Webster, and Dylan Ahoy 
are your 2024 team captains. A couple of those guys have been captains already returning from last year. They're back in that role again this year. But let's talk about Dylan Hoy transferring from Marist. Don't really know a whole lot about him, but everything that we've heard so far is fantastic. All signs point to we've got ourselves an absolute grinder out there. And for him to be elected a team captain in his first year in the program is is very telling in itself. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's one of those things that anytime I talk to somebody in a rounder, that has any information about the baseball program. One of the first two names that they bring up is Dylan Hoy this year. I just keep hearing his name over and over and over. And you look at the stats from Marist and it was like, I remember when we got him, I looked him up and I was like, yeah, you know, he'd be a good role player. Um, but then everywhere that I've talked to, it's like, I think of the people that I've spoken to, the words that they all use is that he's a dog. Every single one of them, um, you know, he's short guy, steals a lot of bases quick covers a ton of ground, but everyone is just in love with his game and kind of what he brings, a lot of energy, a lot of passion. I, I haven't seen a ton of him because obviously he hasn't put um, Jersey on a game time, but the film that I've seen of him, you know, in the fall and, and just for mayors and stuff, he, he kind of plays the game like a, like a napchick or somebody like, like that. A um, lot of emotion. So um, I, I think we're going to be really excited about what we see out of him. And like you said, just the fact that they've, you know, voted him a captain in his first year here when we've got guys that have been around this program for a long time. I think that says a lot about Dylan Hoy. Yeah, for sure. Super excited to to finally see him play. Very, you know, after all the after all the things that we've heard about him so far, it's uh twenty twenty four season can't get here soon enough. Need to see this guy play. Speaking of the twenty twenty four season, we have had a couple guys that have transferred out as of recently. A couple of 2022 guys in the uh, 2022 class, Blaine Schmidt, a shortstop from Ohio, and Nolan Smoot, a left-handed pitcher from Ohio. Those guys have both entered the transfer portal. And then we've actually had three 2023 guys who just signed and just showed up on campus this fall that have already transferred. Uh, Kevin Smith, middle infielder from Florida, Trace Wodurski, an outfielder from Illinois, and Max Humphrey, uh, who's a catcher, an outfielder from Michigan. So I've gotten a lot of questions about this. Uh, people are kind of worried of what's going on. We've had five transfers and they've all been, you know, 2022 20, and 23 guys. I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be more that are going to be hitting the portal soon. It, it, it just is what it is. If you look at the roster, we didn't lose a ton of guys to the draft, right? In this 2023 MLB draft, we had a large class that came in as freshmen and we signed every one of them, which is unheard. That typically doesn't happen in college baseball. And then we had a few older guys that came back. You know, Evan Webster turns 46 this year, and he's going to be pitching again. So, you know, Evan Webster's back, which I love, because it seems like every time we got put in a situation last year, it's like, well, where's Webster? And here he comes, and he gets out of the jam. So having him back is super invaluable. But having some of those older guys come back, signing an entire class, we just – I mean, it, it, we just had – the math wasn't mathing, right? We just had too many guys on the roster for the spots that we have available. So it's better for them to go somewhere else and, you know, try to try to earn a spot and get on the field there, show their potential, and then, you know, maybe transfer back to a bigger school if they can. So it 
unfortunately, this is one of the ugly parts of the sport. It, it just, it, it happens. So nothing really to be worried about. We're going to see more because if you look at the numbers, we just, we have to have to get rid of a couple more guys. And I hate to put it like that, but I know people have been all excited. I've got some messages on Twitter and responses on Twitter, just asking if this is something to be concerned about. And as of right now, the answer is no. Um, the guys that are transferring, you know, they weren't they weren't going to be impact guys this year. Hate to see them go because I think maybe down the road there's a few of them that could have been, but you have to look at it from their perspective of I can transfer somewhere, get on the field this year, and then maybe transfer again next year. Um, another question I've had is, are we going to see any more guys transferring in? The answer to that is it's very highly unlikely. You know, unless somebody hit, you know, Chase Burns decides he wants to transfer from Wake Forest before the season starts, I, I, I would imagine that we could probably find some nil money laying around for him, and he could, he's welcome to come start here. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, we've got to, we've got to get our roster number down. We're not going to be adding unless something really just crazy came about. Uh, Chase Burns, if you are listening to this, I will personally drive you from Wake to Louisville. <laughs> Don't really have much to offer in terms of NIL money. I think I got like a twenty dollar bill on my wallet I can give you, but other than that, you know, that, that's all I got to offer. But check us out. <laughs> so we we can probably find somebody like five hundred two circle. If you're listening, we they they can probably offer a little bit of something. Uh, yeah. But but no, we're 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 not really at this time. We're not looking to add anybody unless a situation came up like that. I, at, it's, at this point in time, it's not going to, you know, fall scrimmages and everything are over. We're at Christmas break. The the, the rosters kind of are what they are. So um, that, that that's all that it is. I know people have been really excited about this and worried lately, and there's, there's really not a whole lot of um, stock to put into this at this point in time. Uh, finally, one more you know, little note to add in here before we dive into our interview with Christian tonight. Um Pro Bowl update, haven't really done one in a while. Offseason, not a whole lot going on. But a couple quick notes to throw in here. Uh, Matt Cook resigns with the Colorado Rockies, was on a minors deal with them. Uh, he was on a minors deal last year as well before he came up in June through 37 games in the big league squad and went on a really great run out of the Rockies bullpen for a couple months. So, Glad to, to see him back in Colorado, and I think that he's going to continue to do big things there. And our most recent bit of news, Drew Campbell is now a San Diego Padre. He was drafted in 2019 by the Atlanta Braves, had spent his entire career there, uh, was just recently traded to San Diego uh, for Matt Carpenter going the other way. And as somebody who... Spends a lot of time, you know, invested time in, in the pro guys. Super excited for Drew here. I think that the path to the big leagues becomes a whole lot clearer for Drew. And I don't think it's completely out of question to say that Drew Campbell could be a big leaguer in 2024. You know, there are a, a few things that, that might have to fall his way a little bit, but I, I do think that Drew Campbell as a San Diego Padre is has a much better shot at being a big leaguer than Drew Campbell, the Atlanta Brave. Um, so super excited for him. Great opportunity uh, coming ahead. And that's uh, that's all that I really have on, on the, the cards and the pros. So I guess we'll uh, turn it over to our most recent card in the pro, Christian Napchik. Well, 
We'll be right back after this commercial break. All right, and we are now joined by Christian. And Christian, first off, I just want to say thanks for coming on. I know we're kind of right in the middle of the holiday season, so appreciate you taking some time mm-hmm. away from friends and family to be with us this evening. No problem. No problem. Happy to be here. I know your baseball career, Louisville baseball career, just ended a few months ago. Before we jump into things, just kind of tell us how, how's life going um, after, uh, you know, your season ended this past May. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a life-changing experience um, getting to take that next step in the in the professional baseball. But it was actually um, a little bit different for me because I, I was hurt when I got drafted. So um, I got drafted. I was still in, in, in the sling because uh, I tore my labrum in the middle of the season. I don't know if anyone knew that, but kind of played through it and got surgery. Um, right after the season, got drafted, went down to Arizona for um, – I actually got back like two weeks ago, so about like six months just like rehabbing. Um, and then it finally started to hit about probably like a month and a half ago, started to get back in like the swing of the thing. So, yeah, it was a very slow process, um, just kind of down there rehabbing every day, doing the same thing. Didn't, didn't get sent out, obviously. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of been the past six months. Same same thing every day. Hey, well, glad to see you're kind of getting back in the uh, swing of things, no pun intended. Uh, so, yeah, you know, gl- glad to see you're getting healthy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's great. It's great to finally start baseball activity again. So I, I, I can definitely understand that from going to, you know, eat, sleep and breathe in baseball at UofL to – you know, having to take that much time off, I can understand wanting to get back into it. So I'm glad, yes. to, glad to see you're healthy. Yes. So I want to kind of jump way back in time a little bit to your time when you were getting recruited um, and, uh-huh. you know, ultimate, ultimately chose to go to Louisville. There's obviously been a big pipeline from Chicago to Louisville over the years. And just kind of yes. walk us through that recruitment process and, you know, why you ultimately decided to go to Louisville. Yeah, I mean, I think I committed like, October of my freshman year, um, which actually this is a funny story. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell the story at the end. But uh, about the recruiting process, went down to Florida, and for next thing you know, that that next week hits, and I, me and my family are just like, oh, we, we don't know what to do. Like, so we wrote down uh, my realistic my realistic schools, and then my dream schools that I want to go to. And Louisville was one of my dream schools that I want to go to. And then that, of course, that next week, Snides, Snides has called me um, and asked me down for a visit. So I visited Illinois, Clemson, and then I had scheduled visits with ASU and Texas. And then um, that next week, I came down to Louisville, um, visited. And this is where the story comes in. So Coach Mack, because like usually like people commit like on campus, like right there. And out we were going over the bridge out uh, of the football football game, and uh, I get a call from Coach Mack, and like people like normally like the commits like they they commit like when they're on campus. So I'm I'm 14 years old, just just started my freshman year of high school. I get a call from Coach Mack walking over the bridge after the visit. He's like, "So Nap, you ready? You ready to commit?" And I'm 14 years old. We haven't talked to my parents about nothing. Louisville's one of my dream schools. I'm like, uh. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to commit. I, yeah, sure. So after the football game, Snides Snides calls my dad up. On, we're on the way home, and he's like, "Congratulations!" Like all this other stuff. And my dad like looks at me. He's like, "What did you just do?" He's so he he had to tell Snide. He was like, "Snide, like we we love to visit. Like I don't know, I don't know. We're we're we still got to talk about this as a family. Like." I had like scheduled visits with other, these other schools, but in like a week later, we end, I ended up committing. So, I mean, it all worked out with coach Mac, coach Mac always busts my chops. He's like, I've never had a person commit to me twice before. So, <laughs> so, so you're basically saying coach Mac strong armed you into committing to Louisville. Is, is yeah. What you're saying. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, I hope it worked out for you as well as it did for him. Yeah, no, it, it was the best decision of my life. So let's take a, a little step forward here in your career and go back to 2021. You're a freshman. You know, I think a lot of people who listen to this know that getting at bats as a college freshman is very difficult, especially when you're a freshman in the ACC and, and Dan McDonald's Louisville lineup. That just does not happen hardly ever, uh, especially at, at shortstop. Uh, what was it like to be handed those? Handed that reins to shortstop not long uh, after you really stepped on campus, and what were what was kind of the growth process for you during that time? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of learning. We did I did a lot of learning my freshman year, and Coach Mac really helped me through that. Same with all the rest of the coaches. Um, it was an older group my freshman year, so they they took a lot of our the younger guys under. Uh, under their wing and kind of showed them the ropes, like day-to-day processes that they went through. Like when these freshmen come in, like as an older guy, you gotta, you gotta kind of build them and form them into, into that culture that, that coach Mac has, has taught everyone ever since he's been there. And we, as an older guy, like now looking back, like those older guys did help me my freshman year, like, cause you, you, you go into, you go into college after high school and you've never failed in your life. You you've hit 500. You, you were the, you were the big fish in the, in the small pond, but now you're, you're, you're a small fish in, in a big pond. So, I mean, a big thing for me was just, just putting my head down and, and going to work every day. Just not, not really saying much, just trying to follow those, those older guys and the Henry Davises, the world, the Benalises, the Ben Metzingers, the Lucas Dunn's, and just seeing how they they worked every day, and I feel like that's kind of what helped me kind of win a job is just following those guys around because they've done it and they had success. So yeah, I mean, I just try to put my head down and and just go to work every day. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And you know, I think we saw that this past season too, and and not so much you know every day at bats at shortstop for for Gavin Keelan, but you know every day at bats second base. Were you able? to kind of give the same guidance to him that, that you got when you were a freshman? Yeah, I mean, I, I was always trying to stay on him. Like, you know, it, it's, it's your freshman year. Like, mistakes are going to happen. Everyone knows that. Like, you're going to you're gonna take your 0 for 5s five with, five, with five strikeouts. But it's not about that. It's about how you bounce back every day. Like, we're playing four games a week. Like, who cares if you take an 0 for 4 on a Friday? You're playing another game the next day. I mean, and that's kind of the biggest thing that I, I learned is, like, you can't take the past. It just, you got you got to be in the present. So I just try to kind of teach those younger guys that it's you can't you can't dwell on the past. It's about what's happening in the moment. 
it's kind of neat to see that progression because like you said, you know, you were obviously a freshman at one point in time and looked up at a couple guys and you name dropped a couple of them. And then, you know, fast forward to this past year, you were the, you were the older guy on the team. So you took Keelan under your wing, but back when you were a freshman, you name dropped, you know, Henry Davis, Benellis, Metzinger, you know, Dunn was on that roster. Who, who were some of the guys that maybe specifically took you under their wing and showed you the ropes of, you know, Louisville baseball and playing in the ACC? Yeah, definitely Henry and, and Lucas, because Lucas was playing third base next to me. And then Henry, obviously, was just one of the leaders on the team. Um, Luke Brown also. I mean, that was just such such an older group. I mean, they all just kind of embraced me and, and, and took me for, for who I was and what I brought to the team um, that year. Uh, just like daily routines. Like, I remember we, we would go and hit in the hack shack on our off days mostly like that kind of group. And then we, we, I mean, we'd just go to work. I mean, they just showed me like their routine and I picked up things that I would like and we kind of just like talk through things. So it, it was a good experience. Definitely made me a better player. So. Do you think as a freshman, when, you know, you participate in those practices and workouts that, you know, maybe coaches aren't around with some of the older guys, you know, do they, I'm assuming that they see that you're willing to put in the extra work, even as a freshman, they, they respect that. Do you see that, you know, the benefit, the, you know, benefit you get from it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, when, when you, when you walk in as a freshman, like the hardest workers stand out. And I think everyone can attest to that. Like if you're working hard, you're, you're going to see the results, but like, you can't just go. You, I mean, a thing that I learned also when I when I was like a freshman sophomore year is like, you gotta you gotta work, you gotta go to work with a plan. Like you just can't like go. All, I'm I'm gonna go hit for an hour and a half and just take swings. Like, no, like that doesn't work. Like you you what are you what are you working on when you go into the cage when you go into the field? Um, that was kind of a big thing that they taught me is just just having a plan of what you're doing every day and knowing what you have to get better at you were hands down probably one of my favorite guys to watch hit that we've had in at louisville in recent years and you know you've been consistently a big bat at the top of the lineup in the form of just getting on base any way that you can hit by pitch machine at your time at louisville too but let's <laughs> talk about let's go back to 2022 for a second you knocked your first home run against oh, yeah. and i don't think i have ever seen anybody so excited to hit a home run <laughs> As you, when you were around in the bases and you just looked like a little kid out there. Yeah. Have you ever tried to hit home runs in the game or did those moments like that just just happen? I mean, the, those moments just happen. I mean, if I try to get too big, it usually end, ends up right in the second baseman's hands on a four-hop ball. But, yeah, that's – I mean, I don't try. I just I just try to hit the ball hard on the barrel. Um, we always – whenever we do, we do this uh, – drill at the end of the practice um it was like a little a base running drill and we always end it with a with a home run and snides is always saying oppo home run oppo home run so and the funny part is is out of my three career home runs snides was only there for one and braves was there at third for two of them so i gotta give my credit out to braves <laughs> right there <laughs> so you're saying it's a snyder problem not a you problem right yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> snides, snides didn't bring the homers braves did so sticking with 2022, not only did your that your first home run against Akron came, but my one of my favorite games probably in Louisville baseball history 
was that Michigan snow game. That, that, oh that was one of the absolutely most insane things I've ever seen. I wasn't there, but watching it on TV was, was really just a waste of time because you couldn't see any. I don't know if you've seen videos of it. but Oh, um, I, I, yeah, I, I've seen videos. Some video. I, I don't know if it was as bad live as it was on the stream, but you couldn't see anything. Like, you couldn't even tell where players were on the field if there was a ball no. being thrown, hit. But kind of just talk to us about that game because if, if people haven't seen it, it was just absolutely I mean, nuts. I made a I made a routine play that was the hardest. It was a ball hit right at me, and it was the hardest play I have ever made in my life because I could not feel my hands. My hands were numb. I literally palmed the ball with all five fingers and I like shot put it to first base. I walk back to the dugout and I look at Ben Metzinger and I'm like. That was the best play I've ever made in my life because I, I had no business making that play and throwing it across the infield. But I mean, like, I mean, I think I think our whole objective was just trying to put the ball in play there because if you put it in the air, the outfielders weren't seeing it, and like you, we were just like, we got to get our knocks here. I mean, and plus, like, we were already down, we were down a lot because it started to snow. But we were just like, all right, like, let's try, let's try to, let's try to, like. Let's try to get some momentum back right here. <laughs> yeah, that, that game was absolutely insane. And, you know, obviously Michigan, they get a lot more snow up there. Not, I don't think they play in conditions like that often, but I would say they were probably a little bit more prone to, uh, you know, playing in those conditions than, than most of the guys down here in Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone should be playing in those conditions. <laughs> so, you know, college baseball offers some incredible experiences that guys are able to take advantage of and, you had a number of really good opportunities. You know, you spent summers on the on the Cape, uh, invited to Team USA baseball camp, Super Regional A and M. You played baseball games in Major League stadiums. What memories are your favorites from from your time at Louisville? Yeah, I mean, definitely what stands out is probably the Super Regional at Texas A and M. I mean, those fans were just. I remember I was, I was screaming at Jared Poland on on Friday from shortstop and he could not hear me. I'm like, nothing. You couldn't even hear me. I mean, that was the loudest atmosphere. I I think I've ever been in. Um, that, that's definitely probably number one. Um, Houston was a great experience. Um, getting, getting to play on that surface. That's probably one of, I mean, I think it's one of the nicest major league ballparks there is. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte's a great park. I mean, with the backdrop, that's always short porch and right field. Um, yeah, I mean, those are probably the top three. And definitely definitely the regional, the regional at at Jim Patterson Stadium when Cam Masterman hit the hit the go ahead home run in the, the, the bottom of the eighth inning. That was that's up there too. So those are probably the top four. You talk about the short porch in Charlotte. I'll never forget that ball that that Ryan McCoy hit. That I, oh. I still don't think has landed at the, no. uh, down there. That was just no. Absolutely... That, that was at uh, that was at um, the D bat. That what? That's right. That was at the D bat. That's yeah. right. That's that right. D bat. But I mean, that ball would have left Charlotte Stadium in a hurry. The, yeah. That that there there's not a stadium in the world that would have held that. I think it was what 480 or something like that. If yeah. That's probably the farthest ball ever. They hit the brick. It hit the brick wall. Yes. Yes. It hit the brick wall out beyond right field. Yeah. That was. Uh, probably one of the hard, longest home runs I've ever seen. I know um, 
oh gosh, Kyle Schwarber when he hit a ball over the batter's eye in center field of Jim Patterson Stadium. That was a, a missile as well. Yeah. So let's fast forward. You kind of talked about the draft a little bit, but let's let's dive into that a little bit more. You were taken the fifth round by Cleveland. Uh, kind of talk to us about the your draft process. And yeah. did you kind of always know you were going to Cleveland? Had, had they talked to you? Kind of how did how did all, yeah. all that go down? So, when I went down to the combine, I I had surgery like oh, two weeks before that, so I was in a sling. Um, I had meetings with I don't know probably like 15 teams. Um, Cleveland was my first meeting and I went in there and no one knew I, what I did. No one knew I, I tore my labrum. So I would go, I was going in these meetings and first thing they would see is the, the sling on my arm and they'd be like, Whoa, like what happened? So um, I had, I, I honestly had no idea that I was going to land with Cleveland, but that was one of the, the, the bigger like um like baseball uh analytic teams that there is in in major league sports which they they like what i do they like the the low strikeout rates high walk rates um put the ball in play so i i think i i landed with in, in a good organization who values what what i do so yeah i mean, i remember you know, after hearing your name called on day two, I think I texted Matt and I said that there is not a better place for you to be than Cleveland. I, I was super pumped to, to see you go there and felt that that, that was probably the, the best landing place that you could have been. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I agree. So. So let's talk about something that just recently happened. You just got your first professional baseball card. Uh, you got base cards and autographs on a recent release. Uh, you've been on baseball cards before when you were Team USA, uh, but now you're in a professional uniform. What is that? Yeah. What is that experience like for you to be able to see yourself in a Cleveland Guardians uniform on a baseball card? Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of crazy to to think about because I mean you you growing up and everyone's that eight year old kid who collects all these baseball cards and goes to the store and asks their mom to to get a these packs of baseball cards and I mean it's just a I mean it's like a very cool experience that I can give those kids like joy if if they get the card that they want and and stuff like that I mean it's 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 honestly crazy to think about like that so so you also you know talked about you got autographs in the set and when they ask players to sign they're asking them to sign quite a bit of cards and and there have been players that have expressed you know it's awesome you know they love signing the cards or there are people who have expressed that they absolutely hate it that it's time consuming they hate sitting there signing all the cards where do you fall on that i mean it's definitely uh i i mean i honestly i i i don't mind it because i could be doing worse things um it's just i mean yeah it's a little time consuming but it's you're signing your name on a baseball card. I mean, it's not that bad. You could, like I said, you could, you could be doing worse things. So it's not that bad. I will also say this, you know, I've, I've expressed it on on the pod before, but I myself am a big baseball card collector, collect all the Louisville pro guys. I already have some Christian (laughs) Napchik cards on the way and 
I know, uh, I think I got Matt on board here too and, and collecting the cards. So I'm sure he's excited to get some hands on some Christian Naptrick cards as well. Oh yeah. You just hope, you just hope you get like the first uh, 200 of them. Cause after that, it got pretty sloppy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so what, what's the process like for coming up with that signature? Um, so when I was at, when I was at USA, I started my full name and we had a time limit. So I'm like, I need to shorten my name. I got a long name. I got however many letters in my first and last name. And I'm just like, this is going to take way too long. So a lot of people call me CNAP. So I just do like a, like a C and like a K and a P and that it's just game changer way faster, <laughs> way faster. I do want to say that um, I guess Aaron and I personally feel attacked by you talking about eight-year-olds getting excited about baseball cards because here I am a 36-year-old grown, grown man and I still get excited about them as well. Hey. So <laughs> That's, perfect. hey. That's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Uh, I do want to jump back to NIL a little bit. I know this kind of – you caught the tail end of this as your mm -hmm. career was ending. You were kind of the last group – or the first group that got to experience it, but it, it was kind of as you were heading out the door. So kind of, kind of talk us, talk to us about NIL. Uh, did you get the opportunity to benefit from any of that? And like, how did, how were you able to utilize um, NIL during your time at Louisville? Yeah. So um, it was my sophomore year. Um, I had a deal with Canes. Um I had to like post them on like my Instagram story. That was kind of like the first thing. And then after that, like I remember me and Jack Payton would just kind of like DM these random, these random like little, little spots to see if we could get some free stuff out of it. Like, Hey, like we'll post you on Instagram. Like if you can send us like these free, like energy drinks or something. And we kind of just kind of branded ourselves through there. Cause like there wasn't really any like guidance with that stuff yet. Um, and then last year we had uh, the Austin money um, that they gave to the baseball team. And I mean, that that's, that's pretty much it. And then uh, I think ever since then, it's, it's, it's just going to get better and better each year. So, I mean, we, we were, we were the first group who got it, but I think uh, the next 10 years it's, it's going to, it's going to pop off. So, yeah, I think everybody's still trying to figure it out. You know, it, it's so new, you know, everywhere across the country at every sport. It seems like Louisville football's got this thing down to a T. So, I'm hoping yeah. that starts to, you know, spread to the rest of the sports and, you know, across the rest of the campus. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the good thing is that's come away from all this is that just the players are getting their piece of the pie that I think they've, they've deserved for many years anyways yes yeah yeah i mean obviously football is a is a it's a business now so um hopefully that that can that can start transitioning to, to the baseball side of things because that would that would be really nice for for the athletes so christian we really appreciate your time we got one final question for you um just your outlook on the 2024 louisville baseball season well what what do you think is going to happen in uh in Louisville and and who are some guys to keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean it definitely uh they have a good older core um with a lot of new young guys that that came in. So I know they're doing a great job leading those guys. 
Um, I saw they just announced the captains, and no, nobody's more deserving than than those five guys. Um, not a lot of new faces. Um, I think that they just they just got to get that connection going. Um, I think that they they hold their own destiny. Um, it's going to be a tough ACC year, but I, I think I think they're going to be able to do it. Um, a lot of a lot of guys in in my class, the McCoys. Riley Phillips, JT Logan, um, Isaac, like they're this. This is going to be their year. This is going to be their year. So I, I got a good feeling about it. I'm excited to. See, I'm excited. I'm excited to go see or to see them or to see uh, them show out this year. So, well, I know we are definitely pumped about February 16th and you know getting able to opportunity to watch them again and like you said just hope um hope they bounce back and this is their year because i know they've got a lot of dudes on that roster like you said they got a lot of older guys so i think they can make some noise in the acc this year and we're just we're excited to to see where this year takes us yeah yeah same i'm, I'm excited i'm excited to watch them so thank you guys so much thank you yeah, yeah well uh, like aaron said we appreciate you coming on i know it's kind of right in the middle of the busy time of the year with the holidays and everything so appreciate you taking some time and hopping on and talking a little bit of uh, Louisville baseball on your career and good luck rehabbing and getting back on the field yes no thank you guys thank you guys Thanks, so. Christian. once again I just want to say thank you to Christian Napchik for coming on with us this evening I know he's one of the beloved Cardinals over the past couple of years. So it's just good to catch up with him and all the other former guys that we've been able to bring on. And just to let you know, this, this series isn't over. We plan to continue this up until the season starts, and then we will kind of transition into, you know, what, what's going on in 2024. So until we have our next episode on, you all just have a happy holidays. Appreciate you all listening. And as always, we will see you at the ballpark. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc